Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Almost everything that we've talked about so far has been underpinned by this importance of a father's role. I mean, it's identity. It starts everything off. It can be the chain reaction through the generations as well. Mm. So then let's talk about fatherhood because for a lot of guys, I mean, that's a, it's a huge transitional stage in life, obviously, and one that can be met with a, a mix of excitement and also fear. And if anything's going to challenge your identity, it's having another body and person to look after and something, mm. again, that we, we there's, there isn't a manual. We can't fix this at times. Yeah. Let, let's talk about fatherhood for a moment. Oh, okay. This is great. I, I had a um, uh, friend who I worked with uh, many years ago, and he asked me how I fathered my children. And I said, I don't think I understand the question. Can you ask it in another way? He said, well, what is your framework or structure or how do you go about it? And I said... Um, I show up. He said, no, 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 that's not good enough. I said, I said, why isn't it? He said, no, you need to have a very clear, intentional approach to the way you parent. Otherwise, you'll get it all wrong. Wow. And I was really surprised. And I thought, well, for me, and I'm not, I can't speak for other men, but for me, that would be painting by numbers. You see, I discovered that the way that I parent is by getting involved in their lives. And so when our firstborn came home and he was about five days old and my wife I got up and changed him and gave him to my wife and went back to sleep and she fed him and then later on in the night he woke up and I changed him and I gave him to my wife and she fed him and so on and at about five o'clock I think it was the fourth interruption and she said I don't know what's wrong I went into his room and I picked him up and I brought him into bed with us I put him on my chest And I went back to sleep. Mm. And my Mm. wife, now I know that's not the safest thing to do, but my wife watched our little boy, who's now a dad himself, 29, and a power lifter. (laughs) 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 Big Bushman's beard. Yeah. But this tiny little baby sleeping on my chest peacefully. And she lay there and wept and she said, I felt so safe. Because I knew there there was a man who was going to father our boys just by giving them what they needed at that moment. Hmm. And not that I was going to go to the manual and go, okay, what do I do here? Right. Because that creates anxiety. And there's something very, very loving and nurturing in a man. Hmm. So... I, and I, I, so many times, I just, I coached my boys in football. I showed up at all of their sporting and school events. Sometimes because my wife reminded me I had to be there, I sat with them. I read to them every single night, prayed with them every night. I sat with them and, and listened to their day. Um, and, and that's the thing that you do something with a boy, and that's the other thing. Play handball out the backyard or, or, or kick a footy or get a cricket ball, whatever it is, because a boy will open up when he's doing something. Go for a bike ride. We I've wrote, written all over Brisbane with my boys. Of course, mm. that, and, and gosh, what a legacy because when you get to my age and they're all men with their own partners in life, you've got all of that to reflect back on and you mm. know that's how they're going to father their own children. And I'm mm. watching yeah. now the, the next generation being fathered the same way that I mm. would have. Mm. That's great. So one thing that I take from this, and I'm sure Des did too, that you said about showing up, but it's literally about being present, right? I mean, a lot of it is just presence because a lot of us as guys, Putting yes, and you're holding up the mobile phone, you yeah. see this is the challenge. We get we get the time, even if the kids, you know, let's use a, a separated example where dad's got the kids for a week 
but during that week, he's still got to do life. And so the kids are there, but they're not really getting dad's full attention. No, it's almost their ad break dads. You know, so it's like, I'll give you the ad break. Uh, you mm. know, you've got a minute and a half or two right. minutes of my time, and then I'm right. going to go back to it. And and our brain is wired. I, I talked to you this week. Our brain is wired to be very task specific, as you just said, but also it's, I've got to finish this task. Mm. And the problem is, is that when we finish the task, we take a breather and then we'll start another one and not actually notice that we're shoving our children into those cracks mm. between the tasks mm. uh, or giving them a very diluted presence. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. No, no questions back. Mm. Oh, did you? That's nice. So actually, all you're doing is responding, not asking any questions. Mm. And you will get thousands of these growing up uh, as, as a dad that you get a chance to be able to keep on reaffirming their identity. You notice what I'm saying. Our identity is a beloved son of God. The best basis for that is you're a beloved son of your father. Hmm. I didn't get that. I did get a father who loved me, but he didn't have any confidence in who he was. Hmm. And he was often a very anxious and angry man. And so it wasn't safe for me to go to him. And, And he worked. He worked six days a week. And when he wasn't working, he was playing golf or he was doing something else, reading the paper. That, right. was, that was the big one for my dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, Des. <laughs> no, no, I can relate to a lot of that. But you know, one of the things that has come across in what you've just said is that a father needs to be deliberate. A father can't just sit back and go with the flow. Mm. He has to make deliberate decisions that will inf- impact his family. Yes, it's not like there's a del- there's an intentional thing you do. You're just intentional. Yes, exactly. I, I, it's not that you have to do anything. It's that you have to do life, which is yeah. lived, not watched, observed. You're not a spectator. You're not a, you're not on standby. You are present. Mm. Right. I, I was going to say three things that you've seen, perhaps not necessarily in your counselling, but just observed generically in life that perhaps mistakes that dad make. And, and maybe three things that we can be really intentional with as dads. Um, the, the five love languages, which a lot of people listening to this might know, there's actually a sixth love language, which is really very male-oriented, which is providing for your family. And even if the mother of your children earns more than you, you will feel the burden to provide. It's built into mm. us from our fathers and yeah. grandfathers. Mm. And so you can easily, a big mistake is easily work too much. I'll give you an example. When I worked in IT, uh, none of the other men in the organization, it was a small startup at the time that I started, it was quite a large organization. When I finished 15 years later, they didn't have children. And so I would work often till nine at night. I'd start nine or 10. We'd start at quite late. This is IT. Programmers do this. We'd start at nine or 10 and we'd go through till nine or 10 at night and often go through till midnight and some nights work all the way through the night. Just because we had a project, a deadline, mm. and the customer wants it, and you know it's all hands on deck when you're a small company. And uh, my wife said to me, "Now that you're a father, you're going to come home earlier." So I would stop coming home at midnight. I come home at at seven thirty, eight, nine. She mm. said, "No, no, they're asleep. You've missed it. You leave home and they're barely awake. You come home and they're already asleep." They only get you on weekends and you're exhausted. So you're going to come home early. I said, you don't understand. I said, she said, what do you mean? She said, you're going to walk out the door. I'm going to walk out the door. And the men are going to be looking at me going, well, you're obviously sabotaging your career, aren't you? Or look who's under the thumb, mm. you know? We know who all, where's, mm. the, where's, who the, where's pants the pants in your house. Right. And you hear that as a man and go, oh, I can't. And then I started doing it. And I, and I got the glances 
and I had the conversations and I did negotiate this. I said there will be two nights a week, midweek, that I will stay back, nine, ten at night, but there'll only be two nights, three nights I'm going to be home by six o'clock. Which yeah, means, good for you. Which meant I had to start earlier when no one else was in the office sometimes or I would just simply walk out the door at, at five o'clock in the afternoon and everyone else is still at their desk. Mm. And I said, I'll be back tomorrow, but I'm leaving now because I've got a, a son at home mm. and he needs me and I'm going to bath him and tuck him into bed and read to him and it's mm. important. And it was really hard. And I did feel like I was following my wife's instructions but it wasn't for her, it was for our son that I did it. Yeah. Mm. And you know what happened is other staff became dads and they followed yeah. my lead. Mm. And you know, funny, the, the funny thing is, is that you start leading, but you don't know you're leading. You feel like you're doing something that's going against the grain. Yeah. You feel like you're doing something wrong. You're doing actually leadership. And it yes. feels scary because it's lonely and you don't get a lot of support. And that's called leadership. Um, the second one, which we've already talked about, which is, when you hear a son or a daughter ask you, stop what you're doing. Stop mm. what you're doing. Yeah. Now, you can say, and, and, and the same I'd say to, to, to dads of children, don't say to your children, I said right now, if they're playing a console game or something, say 10 minutes. You've got 10 minutes because you want the same respect. And you can have that respect and say, hey, I'm going to, put a timer on my what, my phone, mm. and I'll come and see you in 10 minutes. Is that okay? But gosh, it better be 10, because if it's half an hour, he's gone off and done something. She's gone off and done something mm. else. It's too late. You've mm. missed it. Um, and sometimes you just have to stop. If you're working from yeah. home, during COVID, my goodness, how many challenges that I'm sure parents listening to this would have had setting boundaries at home. Yeah. Um, mm. So that's the first one. Is be, The second one is be fully present. Uh, and then the third one, of course, which is as as fathers, we are sons. And as sons, we have to then work through our own identity stuff. Mm. I think that's really covering, summarizing today. Yeah. That leads us into what I actually want to talk about next. And you, it's interesting that you use the first example of being a leader at work, doing things against the grain, and everybody kind of looking at you going, what? Yes. You know, like, what's happening? Yeah, who are you? And, and you and I have talked about yeah. the man box before. Mm. So let's explore the man box. And for those who perhaps may have heard the term but don't really understand what it means tell us about the man box okay so the man box is it's got a title it's called male role identity now your role is not your identity we've already clarified that your identity is not based on what you do Hmm. um if i use scripture here jesus hears a voice from heaven this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased at which point jesus had only been a carpenter and a son Hadn't got married, hadn't had children, he hadn't done any ministry, hadn't done anything, but he's beloved. Mm. That's his identity. Mm. So, But role identity says, what I do is what I am. So we build an identity based on this very rigid, very limiting sets of things. If I asked you, what is the key adjective that describes the essential quality of a man? A man is what? A man is strong. He should be strong. And so, therefore, any time he doesn't feel strong, like when I'm walking out of that office and they're saying, well, you got that wrong, mm. you know, you're not a man, you're not taking your career seriously, you've just been controlled by your wife. Oh, mm. my goodness, mm. how debilitating that feels. But you see that box is too rigid, it's too small, it doesn't fit your identity. And so when you feel uncertain or afraid or frustrated or confused or devastated or grief-stricken, or a hundred thousand other emotions that don't feel strong to the man, then 
you often feel shame. And as a result, you want to get back inside the box. And there's only one obvious emotion that fits in the box that looks strong, and it's anger. Mm. And that then is why so many men go to anger instead of tears, because they have to look strong. And we propagate this uh, idea with superheroes and with so many movies that say men, like you just talked about the abs and the the pecs and so on, Mm. and the lycra. (laughs) (laughs) But it's practical. (laughs) Wash and wear. And comfortable. That's right. (laughs) And stretchy. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) All that. (laughs) So the man has to let the box be dismantled. And that's by allowing emotions other than what feels intuitively strong mm. or I- historically strong to belong in his life. Instantly when you said that, I'm going to put myself into the shoes of certain people listening. And I would have been one of those people many years ago too. The The thought of dismantling that box is very, very scary in itself. It's mm. easier to hold on to the box because while it might be dysfunctional, it's familiar. Yes, yes. This is the thing is that we've, we want to build a strong container for life, an ego in the first half of life, those first 30 years. I have got what it takes. I can do stuff. I can make stuff happen. But as I said, that's, that reinforces the box. Hmm. So that when the box is threatened and the whole thing starts to dissolve, actually what then we revert back to is identity. And weirdly, there's something very, very strong. So when I fell apart... And I really thought I was weak and pathetic. I really thought I had stuffed everything up. I wasn't a man. I didn't measure up to other, what other men were. I remembered on the last day of my rites of passage, and I walk up this long hill, and there's this knowing in me that nothing had fundamentally changed, but something huge had shifted. I can do this. Mm. I have no idea how. I don't know. Mm. I feel like I'm carrying more weight than I've ever carried in my life, and I can carry it. You know, I wasn't just carrying my father's, my own grief and trauma. I was carrying my father's. And I wasn't just carrying mine and my father's. I was carrying my grandfather's. Mm. I was ending it with me. Not that my life ends, but everything changes with me. My sons are beneficiaries of that. Mm. And mm. that's a weight that men don't even know. How am I carrying it? I'm carrying it with tools I don't even know yet how to use at that point. They're tools of kindness towards myself, towards forgiveness for not being who I thought I should have been. They're gifts of tenderness, which don't feel masculine, but oh my goodness, they are. They're they're tools of awareness, which are starting to open up. Because if I say again, your identity is a beloved son of God, well, that's a relational term. And that's the thing that we've run from. Because that's what girls did. That's what women do. Mm. Men don't know how to do that. And we do everything we can to plaster over the cracks of going, well, I haven't got that. I didn't get that growing up. So where is that? Well, it starts actually deep inside us. When I've got enough wise counsel, wise elders around me, Mm. then I can actually fall apart and dissolve like a caterpillar does inside a chrysalis and find something very, very good happening. Mm mysteriously in the darkness within me four times as many men as women commit suicide four times as many nine and a half times as many men end up incarcerated as women men are 13 times more likely to be killed in the workplace men don't know how to look after themselves 
And we haven't for thousands of years. We're starting to again, Mm. just starting to. That's my whole life now. Mm. How do Mm. men discover that this box, when it falls apart, they'll find a strength they didn't even know. For a man listening to this, I want any man hearing this who feels very fragile, who feels very like, uh, uh, if you actually knew me, you'd be disappointed. If you actually knew me, you'd realize I'm, I'm not going to let any, anyone know, but, but I'm, I'm not the guy I pretend to be. I really, I think I'm disappointed with who I am. I want every man to know that that's a story that's been written for you and that you've been writing for your whole life up until now, and it's not the truth. And when you find the truth about who you are, oh, my goodness. Hmm. I mean, Richard, we've covered a a bunch of ground. Some final thoughts for men, and you said there uh, at the end about, I suppose, allowing the walls to come down. Whether it's identity, fatherhood, the man box, you know, finding their authentic selves. And yet they don't really know where to start that journey because it seems overwhelming and admittedly incredibly scary too. Now, obviously, the obvious thing for someone would be to go, well, I'm going to find a counselor and start having those conversations. Is that the best way to go? Is it that straightforward? What other things can they perhaps do to to start that journey um one is to start journaling their story it's a very female thing to, again here we go is to stay if, if they if they have an ability to be able to write and tell their story and uh write to themselves they can even write to their if they're say 40 45 write to their 21 or 18 year old self and ask that 18 year old self or tell that 18-year-old self, hey, you're trying so hard to get there. But I want you to know something. You matter to me. Hmm. And because you matter to me, I'm going to start listening to you. Here's a strange exercise. You can do this, but you probably need a counsellor to help you unpack it or, or someone who knows what they're doing. Get a photo of you when you're about 10 and look at that photo and try to remember when it was taken and then write to him and then get him to write back to you. And then right back to him. It's important that you stay in control of this conversation and don't, be, don't do it if you're too fragile. You're going to have some strength within you. And right back and, and then at the end of about half an hour, just see what's come out. Because what happens is when we write, our unconscious or something deeper than we're immediately aware of is able to run at that pace. Nothing can be loved at speed, Michael Lunick says, and that is so true. So we go at a slower pace and we can actually see it go into nature find two or three other safe men if you can find them this is where i started actually is i found actually a group of us just went uh, bushwalking and mountain climbing we just started climbing all the peaks of the scenic rim in southern southeast queensland and uh we would eat lunch on top of the hill and we'd start to develop a a way of doing this um so we would develop some rituals. So before we ate lunch, we would sit in silence and just listen to the silence for 10 minutes and welcome it. Prayer, obviously, uh, but but prayer has to be an awareness that we, well, Jesus uses this terrifying word for God called Father. Hmm. And uh, it's a really scary word for some people to use. Um, He's not this uh, judge who wants to send you to hell. No, you've got your theology wrong. God was in Christ. 
There is great love in knowing God as Father. So different possibly to the Father you had. Oh, then, of course, seek out somebody who you see is doing life well, who's about a generation older than you. That could be a really ordinary person. Um, They might even be a little fragile. If you can see tears in a man, go towards that man. Yeah. Hmm. A special guest this week has been Richard Fay, Brisbane-based counsellor. He is the CEO of the Centre for Men and Families Australia. And uh, Richard, you've certainly taken us on a journey, uh, that's for sure, this week. And there's so much in there that uh, is a real starting point, I think, for a lot of men to start unpacking some stuff. But hopefully in that unpacking, again, we'll give them some clarity around a whole bunch of stuff in their lives. And uh, we just want to thank you for being with us for Momentum this week. And uh, God bless you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. Lovely being with you both. Thank you. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.